This podcast was brought to you by Good Episode Productions. Pretty freaking epic. I think I think Terry Pratchett might have it right, and there, there are actually just imps inside computers that make control what they do. I think you know, that's, that's like true. A hundred percent that that's what happens with printers. I don't understand how we've got to a oh. point where we've invented self-driving cars, but I can't print like a sheet of paper when I need. <laughs> we were to. talking about like that's earlier. <laughs> yeah, it's like, economic. I'm so angry at our printer, and it just doesn't seem it, to work it, right. They seem to like sense when something is urgent. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah. Because if I'm printing something for fun, it always works, no <laughs> problem whatsoever. If I'm printing off a form for work, it's like <laughs> you thought. I think you thought this would be easy. <laughs> <laughs> you thought wrong. <laughs> I think it's it's a consequence of the economic model which they sell printers with. Printers should be way more expensive than they are, but they sell them under cost price and then charge over cost price for the print cartridges, which are supposed to be proprietary. Yeah. It's called the Gillette economic model. It was oh, because like, it raises. Yes, with the cheap razor blade, the cheap razor heads, and then you pay more for the razor blades. Mm. Huh. <clears throat> They are like a functional so economic system to me. And I saw my printer just... Yeah, it's just... Uh, it's when I was trying to, like, print off that um, letter to our landlord and it just wouldn't oh, work. Fuck. Yeah, It just wouldn't do it. I got so angry. Because it really... <laughs> there's something about technology not working. I can be really patient with a lot of things, but there's something about when my computer won't do something and it's taking ages which it does all the time because it's shit. <laughs> Your <laughs> oh, computer the printer is won't print. Then I just, I get so, I get like rude rage. Yeah, I was, yeah. I was really enraged last night. I was just chugging beers and like try, desperately rebooting <laughs> my computer over and over again. And so how, how is the solution? Instead of turning it off and on again, which is essentially what I did, I had to play Just Cause 3 with the cable taken out until it ran out of battery and mm-hmm. reboot it. And then it worked. <laughs> <laughs> this took me three hours. <laughs> you had to play three hours of Just Cause 3. I wouldn't wish that I, on anyone. No, no. no I, I love it. It's great. Okay. <laughs> is, that, is that the one with the grappling hook? Yeah, you just blow everything yeah. up. It's completely insane. It's like being a small boy and just throwing cars at things. Yeah. <laughs> inside all of us is two like, wolves. Do you think we're like too dependent on technologies so that... Uh, it results in the consequence that it gets us angrier than everything. Isn't that ironic? No. Um, I just think that it should do what it's supposed to. <laughs> I, mean, I think it is like I the experience of like going to a pub with my dad recently and them having like one of those app QR codes on the oh table my God. and <laughs> downloading this app that comes with the QR code and then having to put in my name, my email address and my phone number and then picking what we want from the menu and then going to pay and then you have to pick your bank card so you put all your bank details in and then it sends you a code to your phone number to verify but when you click on the text to get the code it takes you out of the code entering thing so the app doesn't work Uh anymore and you have to do it again. And I'm sat there for 15 minutes trying to order a single pint of Amstel, as is my right. <laughs> and in my the end, we laughed up British person. <laughs> yeah, this... Yeah. I just don't get... Speaking of coronavirus and speaking of printers, which you spoke earlier, why, mm-hmm. why are we still relying on printing out stuff? Like, 
I like to do it. Right. <laughs> not not everyone has a printer at home, especially not if you're like a university student who uh, maybe doesn't live with their parents. Like if you're just like, you know, live in an apartment, yeah. you're probably just not going to have a printer. It's just for, I don't know, because you have to still have to sign everything. Like there's yeah. got to be a way to... Mm. Signatures, like how are they that? They're not that secure. My signature looks no, different every time. <laughs> They're just writing your name. It's, it's this weird, like, sort of ritualistic thing that our society accepts as sort of, I don't know, somehow it's inviolable. Your, it's but your mark, you know? It's like <laughs> your traditional mark. But it's like... I, it's the I Luciferian cabal. They're making us sign our names uh, away to Satan or something. Yeah, that's the only <laughs> way to, like, <laughs> sell your soul is to sign your name. You can't, like, do a, do a pin code. That's lame. <laughs> no, but it is wild, like, the sort of, like, the people who believe in the, like, Satanist conspiracies, how legalistic they think it all is. Mm. Mm-hmm. They're constantly going, like, oh, they have to tell you what's going on, which is, uh, you know all this, you, you <laughs> listen to QAA, but, yeah. The, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just fucked up that signatures is, like, the one the technology that is, like, 500 years old <laughs> like i don't know for how long people have verified themselves with signatures right and it's mm-hmm. like you could really innovate it you know just come up with anything else i know bring back seal matrices everyone everyone has sealing yeah. everyone has to carry sealing wax and a little like copper alloy seal matrix at all times well i do have a seal but it's like a mass-produced one so literally anyone with the first name c could like use it <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like how many people are there with the mm. first name C? Like we need like highly any. elaborate ones with like pelicans <laughs> on. Yeah, yeah, it's like impossible to to replicate, and everyone's yeah, like, everyone needs get to that seal. Everyone needs to have like a uniquely designed seal. I think that would be <laughs> that would be a, a good innovation. Like when mm. when you're born, the government assigns you a seal. Yeah, it's like no, you're going to be like a, a duck a with a flower novel. in its beak, and you're going to be like an dancing elephant and you're gonna be like i don't know a clown in the middle of a field of sunflowers mm. yes mm. you got a exactly. legend outside of the seal as well so it, it, it'll usually say s then apostrophe and then your name uh-huh <laughs> this is this is real archaeology folks that's don't say worked. you don't learn anything from this podcast because you yeah. do <laughs> no, i just educated you sure. The, the S stands for sigillum, which is the seal of in Latin. <laughs> there, Why? There we go. <laughs> my dreams are my dress rehearsals for my future. David Copperfield. Oh, oh no. Not That's... the... I, I, I assume not the book character, but the magician. Oh, probably. But probably not. I don't know. I mean, the quote would be Charles Dickens if it was the book, right? Yeah, exactly. That's how, he, that's how they normally do it. They, like, say it's a quote from a person when it's, like, one of their book characters who might not even, like... <laughs> but I them. did, like, <laughs> recently listen to a Shriekcast where they mentioned uh, someone reading out a Dumbledore quote in the in impeachment rehearsals in, like, <sighs> early 2000s. Yeah, I remember that one. But it's, like, it's very funny. It's stuff like... um. Yeah, there's. It's like the quote on our money. I can't remember which one from Jane Austen is like, "I should 
um, there's nothing quite like a book or something, which is like a quote by Caroline Bingley, who's a character who's supposed to be really hateful and terrible. So it's just very funny that they're like, matter. Yes, you can just take this anything is what, out of this context. is what Jane said. It's just like you could just take any horrible character's yeah. quote and then describe it to Jane Austen. <laughs> Some people just want to watch the world burn, Christopher Nolan. <laughs> Don't give Christopher Nolan credit for writing the scripts for that movie. <laughs> oh, it's probably his brother. I don't know. I, I don't know who wrote The Dark Knight. Uh, someone uh, who's a genius and changed cinema forever. Probably. Yeah. I mean, like, unironically, The Dark Knight is like, I don't think it's a good movie by any stretch. But it did change culture. It did. I think it yeah. significantly yeah, he meant his, made the world worse. Him and his brother co-wrote it. Jonathan Nolan and Christopher Nolan. Right. Mm. I do like the movie. I have fun watching it. <laughs> yeah. I did see a take recently that uh, by by like friends of friends of the show and uh, the Discord <laughs> about how uh, the, the Dark Knight kind of ruined people's understanding of what anarchists are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I, oh, that happened sure. years ago. But yeah, it, that's been the kind of cultural understanding for ages. Like, if you yeah. were to say to me when I was a lot younger, like, "Oh, I'm an anarchist," I'd have been like, "Oh, cool, they're going to hurt me." Yeah, <laughs> like that's just what my understanding. It's, like, it's common cultural understanding. Yeah, yeah. Very, very few words have been successfully blackened as much as anarchist. I think. I oh, know. Mm. What about it's social so justice warriors? <laughs> <laughs> SJWs with their purple hair screaming at me who only did a hit hit a salute for a joke. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> what about revolutionary feminists? <laughs> or radical feminists, rather. Radical. They're trying to take my video games away from me. And it's like, why? The video games are good. We love video games. Yeah. Why would you rain. try and take those away? Heavy rain. Detroit become racist. Detroit become racist. That's that's a good game. Um, but Beyond Two Souls, that's also a good game. Oh, yeah. Game. <laughs> These are games for females. All those good games that will be taken away by feminists unless we stop them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's... Call of Duty now lets you play as a non-binary soldier and oh, then you can yeah. use white potassium to bomb children, I assume. <laughs> Fuck. <Yeah. laughs> and, and this is the liberal SJWs <laughs> infiltrating my games. Yeah, SJWs infiltrating are like my changing... War propaganda. I can't believe they're changing uh, the historical accuracy of uh, fighting alongside Ronald Reagan. <laughs> exactly. I can't believe you get. To, oh, you get. I'd love a game where you can play as Ronald Reagan, though. And it's just, it becomes increasingly difficult as your mental faculties fall apart and you rely increasingly <laughs> on astrology to, to make decisions. It's, uh, it's just true to life, realistic, gritty gameplay for the hardcore gamer. Yeah. Um, that obviously has been ruined by feminists. Anyway. I think those, like, war games were the kind of like the reason I didn't play like video games very much until I was like 18 cuz like every single guy at my school the only things that they would play were COD and Battlefield and like um what was that CS:GO and like yeah CS:GO well my brother just told me I was bad at it so I didn't play 
Oh. We used to play. We all used to play like um, LAN games, though. We used to play like um, Battlefront Two or Warcraft, like Three, or um, Age of Mythology. You know the good. Oh, stuff. Age of Mythology slapped. I know, right? <laughs> I used to lose all the time because my brother was just like unnaturally good at strategy games. So he used yeah. to just destroy us every single time. So my brother was like five years younger than him, just getting like pulverized. <laughs> it's just pretty funny, like not to like get real about the whole uh, feminists are taking away my video games thing, but it's pretty funny how the like thing that kicked off this entire like gamers being extremely mad at feminists thing and the whole Gamergate thing was like Anita Sarkeesian making extremely mild criticisms like her videos were like fucking in mario you are a mustachioed plumber who will have to will rescue the princess the princess has no agency and she's no character like okay this is not anything you'd need to get mad at yeah i wouldn't say it started it all off but it it provided that crack which like yeah far right people Mm. could fit their crowbar into culture and rip it apart yeah. Did, did you ever see? Have you seen that like Venn diagram that was like, um, it was like predicting the rise of the alt right? No. Oh, it's oh, maybe so good. I have actually. Yeah. It's from like twenty. Um, it was like pre. I think it was like twenty fourteen oh, or twenty twelve, and it's like one ring says the white nationalists, and then the other is bronies, and the other is people who reference memes IRL. <laughs> and then the white nationalist memes one is that feeling when no GF and then the white nationalist bronies is dark enlightenment um, and <laughs> bronies and memes is 9gag and 4chan will unite creating 14chag and then the central one is upcoming reactionary movement and they managed to predict it well. extremely well yeah. well yeah because what is the feeling when no GF other it's than just incel. the incel movement yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, that being it's... said, I am waiting for my government to sign girlfriend. Yeah, please. Yeah. Please. <laughs> Sa- save boys who respect girls on if you left. Haven't you yeah. seen the image of your aborted girlfriend? <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, I think I have, actually. Yeah. <laughs> aborted GF. She loves you, but she doesn't exist because she got aborted. It's so sad. Really makes you think. think if I can't she believe my girlfriend aborted. got aborted. <laughs> If she hadn't been aborted, you could have had a like a relationship with her and then force her not to get an abortion as well. Yeah, so. you can produce girlfriends for the other lonely men. <laughs> I can't believe my wife's boyfriend got aborted. <laughs> She's so lonely now. <laughs> We're really bringing that like early episodes of Who Watches the Watch energy of like yeah. 20 minute called open about entirely unrelated things that are like mildly amusing probably <laughs> well listen we're feeling the nostalgia we've reached 25 episodes we can have a little yeah. fun we can have a little fun welcome to our 25th episode this is our 20 <laughs> this is our 26 i can't yeah, believe but... george is doing the intro now oh how dare you <laughs> okay you i am intru- i'm gonna introduce us now because it's time okay um Hello and welcome. Bienvenidos to... a quien vigila a los vigilantes. Soy tu huésped, Lucy, y soy demasiado inteligente para esto. I fucking hate you. You've been playing that. Um, hello, welcome. Croiso y podcast. Continue, Chaz. I'm sorry. I am so sorry. 
Coppola. Uh, Russell Crowe and uh, Lucy Liu. The Godfather, Citizen Kane. Here in Nightly, Jude Law. The French Just Connection. Nicholas Cage, directed by Scott Walker. De Palma. Mm. Scorsese. Spielberg. Spielberg. Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Tommy Lee Jones. Film. Hello and welcome to Who Watches the Watch, a Discord reread slash rewatch podcast hosted by four very normal, politically unengaged people who will never and have never done anything with petrol. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I am your host, Chaz, and I'm an anarcho-communist. <laughs> I'm your host, Lucy, and I'm an anarcho-communist as well. <laughs> <laughs> my name is <laughs> God. My name is Janos, and I am a communist joker. Okay. <laughs> my name is George, and I'm uh, trying to pivot this to a true crime podcast and get it optioned by iHeartRadio. Oh, the anarcho-capitalist among us. <laughs> we should really go for oh, the yeah. iHeartRadio sponsorship. God, it would be... <laughs> Let's fucking sell out. We have we have double digits of patrons now, so we're, like, officially cancelled, <laughs> I think, at this point. Yeah, we have 11 patrons, which basically means that we're mainstream now. Yeah. <laughs> we can, like, start thinking about living off this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to quit my job and live off that five pounds a month uh-huh. and that's just how it's got to be i've got universal credit i can do it what what could rent cost five yeah. pounds <laughs> yeah i mean isn't isn't rent just free in britain <laughs> <laughs> yes we're a socialist country yeah we, yeah yeah I've heard it said. I, I heard that. I heard that Starmer guy has um, has some uh, fresh <laughs> ideas. He's a he's a dangerous communist. That one. Yeah. He's yeah. Gonna, he's going to lead us all into anarchy, like Stalin. He's like almost as radical as Kamala Harris. Yeah. Mm. People. Yeah. Keir Starmer is just an anagram of Stalin. Key. <laughs> I will Star-lier. say <laughs> Star- Stalin Stalin Marx Karl Marx Yeah Karl Star Marx What do you think of the Oh my god I just Do you remember that bit Did you ever watch One Day at a Time Yes What was it do you remember that fucking that fucking episode where the landlord comes in and he's wearing like a Che Guevara yeah. t-shirt and they're like that's like wearing a Hitler t-shirt. <laughs> yep. What? Anyway, um, <laughs> today we are talking about the last third of Moving Pictures. Moving Pictures. Um, Moving Pictures. A book by Terry Ooh. Pratchett once again. No sir, because we do not recognize the existence of the monarchy on this podcast. No, <laughs> except for for threatening purposes. I'm kidding. I've never made a threat to anyone in my life. No, I would Minecraft, never threaten Minecraft. the queen. No, no. We love the we love all monarchs here over here on this podcast. Uh, let's just all list some of our favorite like kings and queens like across history. Charles II. 
Um, <laughs> King, King Crimson. Uh, uh, that one who was um, between Mary and Elizabeth who lasted nine days. Jane Grey. Jane Grey, yeah. Oh, fuck yeah. We're going to say one of the Georges. Because there are mm. a few of them. The mad George, one, the bad one, one or the sad one, the sad or the one, fat or the fat one. one. <laughs> George the first was great. He couldn't speak English, didn't give a shit, and spent most of his time just living in Germany, like doing nothing. Mm, oh, the yeah. dream. I, I wish that's what ours would do. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, it'd be great. They could go and live in Munchen Gladbach or something. It'd be great. <laughs> wow. I <would> love that. <laughs> <laughs> I've got the um, the four King Georges song from Horrible Histories in my head. I mean, me too, me too. Um, I'm not going to sing it. (laughs) Born over you, Georges for three, one, one, and two. two. (laughs) One day I'm going to find out what Horrible Histories is. I mean, it's just a show about history and it's sketches about history. Uh It's history sketches. Mm. I... Every time you talk about it, I I I think you're talking about drunk history. No. no, this is this is good. It's kids show. It's a kids show. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, and a series and it's of pretty books. integral to like most people of a similar age to us, like growing up. If you watch CBBC, so like most people know it. I, don't I read know. the books. A lot of people or read, read the, the books. books. Yeah, I read. The I learned a lot from the books. I read the actually, books. more history yeah. than I learned at school, probably. Oh hell yeah! <laughs> yeah. Um, but Actually, the writer is a very weird guy. But yeah. does he want to abolish school? Um, it's not school. He thinks they should abolish libraries because he doesn't. Want, he doesn't what? want people to keep like borrowing his books and not buying them. He's like, I want people to buy my books. But also, I think he does hate school. It's something like he wants the schools to be reformed. He's just a really fucking weird dude. Doesn't he have like a Good weird books, grudge though. against Normans? Uh, oh, that's weird. I can't. Maybe. Hear I mean, the Normans. Hmm. They weren't very nice, but then no one was. Oh, yeah, no, he does hate school. Before, before we get that, before we actually do podcasts, I do just, like, off off the record, want to just tell you that Terry Deary says he has no interest in schools. They have no relevance in the 21st century. They were a Victorian <laughs> idea to get kids off the street. At my school, there were 52 kids in the class, and all I learned was how to pass the 11+. plus. Testing is the death of education. Kids should leave school at 11 and go to work. Not <laughs> turn the lights or up the chimney, but working with computers or something relevant. Everything I learned after 11 was a waste of time. It's never been any use to me. Station. I don't have a clue about any of these things at 18. School needs to change. Since we're just called to ban horrible histories from schools because classrooms take all the fun out of stories. To I mean, an extent, I agree with him that testing is the death of education. But I know <laughs> I do not think that kids should leave school at eleven to do child labour. <laughs> Why have a nurse? It's so weird. It's a fun. I just still have the I still have the Wikipedia for the Dark Knight open, and there's a sentence in here that says the Dark Knight is considered one of the best films of its decade, with no citation. Mm. <laughs> just just, just, just the guy who wrote it. Yeah. Yeah. Christopher Nolan considers it one of the best films of the decade. I'm not even sure that's true. Yeah, I don't know. I, has anyone asked him? <laughs> um. Anyway, moving pictures. Lucy, do you have some Goodreads reviews for us? Because we haven't done those yet. I do. So this book has a 3.94 on Goodreads. Um, Pretty which low. Is, which is more than Eric, but less than Guards Guards. That's um, weird. And, and only like 0.03 more than pyramids 
So okay. it's pretty low on the on the. It's like the lowest one we're gonna get for a while. Now. That's kind of really? odd. Is it just because it's not part of a series? I think maybe so. It's the lowest yeah. until Theatre of Cruelty, which is not Theater a real book. Cruelty? Is that a? a I think it's like a three-page like... short story. Okay, well yeah. there you go. So it's the lowest until. It's the lowest until raising steam. So that's uh, wild. <laughs> that's insane. Yeah. Actually, no, it's not. It's the lowest now from. What? From here on out. Is it lower than raising steam? That's fucked up. Is it lower than fucking interesting times? Wait. Yeah. What? Okay, no, this is the play version. I, hmm. I'm looking at. I have a. I have a. Um, God, why is Excel document? <laughs> Interesting yeah. times is a four point sixteen. So yeah, it's more than what? interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, this is like the lowest one now, um, and then they're all higher than this from here on out. That's well, it's, it's bad book wow. actually. It's been decided. I um, guess yeah. I guess we have to gonna have to delete and re-record our previous episodes. I was saying it's bad. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I only have like two. Interesting times is a better rating than masquerade. What the fuck is going on here? <laughs> That's just. <laughs> so wrong <laughs> everyone is just fucking uh no <laughs> people are just logging in to say actually chinese people are funny <laughs> can't wait to get to that one uh-huh <laughs> so i have two um reviews this is the first these are both one star reviews okay this is the ninth Discworld novel I have read so far, and it is by far the weakest. Aside from Pyramids, maybe, but even that had a pretty cool time magic aspect to it. I was surprised given how much I liked Going Postal, another in the Industrial Revolution series. I found the jokes were flat, and the morality, if there is one, lacking. It seemed the morality? Like it, yeah. morality. <laughs> it seemed like it was going to be a powerful indictment of movies versus books. The twist is... Kind of... <laughs> okay. Oh so this, this, this person can read. This this reviewer has an agenda, I think. Yeah. <laughs> what year? This... What year is this person from? Where people are still like, mm, movies bad, books good. Um. Nineteen twenty-four. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I prefer the phonograph myself. Um. It was from twenty seventeen. Hmm. So, I mean, I guess I feel it's like good a bit late right? for like that it's... kind of attitude. <laughs> Mind you, Why? that is still, if we've learned anything from the watch reaction, that is still the prevailing sentiment amongst a lot of Discworld fans. Uh-huh. Yeah. Why? 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 What about book? Did they think meant that it was a commentary on books versus film? Uh, says films bad. because other Terry Pratchett books are so much like uh, ooh, only book readers are cool and people who don't like books are lame that is true <laughs> everyone who doesn't read a book uh, yeah uh, everyone who like uses book as toilet paper is like the worst I don't understand where he this person has got this from this is no. I don't even think they bring books up in this books don't no no <laughs> There's it no is a book. Of... <laughs> yeah, there is no books in this in this book. It's like the the diary of the uh, the the keepers of the fire or whatever they're called. Uh, yeah, and the oh, library, I but that's about it. There's no commentary on that. Mm-hmm. 
most of the commentary on books in in Discworld is that either they're magic books or they're toilet paper. Yeah, <laughs> or both. So I don't, <laughs> I don't think that even Discworld is saying, yeah, books are superior to movies. I no, really Terry Pratchett hates books. <laughs> <laughs> he says fuck books, and he's right to do so. Yeah, <laughs> books are shit. Okay, now my second, <laughs> my second review is this. Pointless and very, very silly. I am left with the impression that Mr. Pratchett may have eaten too many funny mushrooms while writing this book. <laughs> End of you. Oh, yeah, well, my favourite criticism to say yeah. that. Oh, he did drugs <laughs> to make this, this book. Drugs. I love that. Michael one would never do a drug. I, I love saying uh, whoever wrote this was on drugs because it can mean, like, anything. Like, it can... It can at the same time be like, oh, this is this this is so weird, so much, so much weird, fantastical stuff in this, but it's great. Whoever wrote this must have been on drugs, right? And it can also be mm-hmm. apparently, it can also be like, ooh, what a weird book. Uh, fucking didn't make any sense. I bet they were on mushrooms. That was the kind of thing I used to say when I was about twelve. Yeah, I didn't understand. Oh, whoa, it's like they're high. Am I right? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not knowing what that was. <laughs> I think the only book where I've ever had any suspicion that the author was on drugs was Stephen King. It oh yeah, for sure. Um, because, but, but that's really? not that's not like a hallucinogen or it's not weed. It's coke, and it, the books. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> The books read like he's on a lot of coke, but that's a very different kind of that that doesn't improve the work nor does it give him any more creativity. It just makes them incomprehensible. <laughs> yeah, no, mm-hmm. it just made him write like a hundred pages a, a day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, St- Stephen King's writing advice being like just just write an insane amount per day and do like enormous amounts yeah. of cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> It's like I'm not rich like you, Stephen. <laughs> yeah, but first, first you need to like be a successful writer, <laughs> so you can afford cocaine. And then you can, when you can afford cocaine, you can use that to be a successful writer. Yeah. Which came first, mm-hmm. the money or the coke? Uh huh. The cash twenty two question. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good book. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, those were my. Those were the reviews I picked out that I thought you guys would enjoy. Yeah, <laughs> pretty good. I I like them. I, I no, I don't like them, but they yeah, they're good. Great. Does Patrick Rothfuss say anything? Uh, no, he doesn't. <sighs> Pat, slip in. I'm as an author who has written books. I thought this this book was very good, except for a few minor criticisms that I, as an author who has published books. <laughs> Uh, have for this book one of which I have published <laughs> he says I thought this was a really good book about how books are better than movies yeah like at the end in the end movies are being destroyed and everyone uh, you know swears by yeah, not to make any moving picture anymore so that's obviously a, an indictment of movies being bad yes yeah um, he says my one criticism as a writer is that the characters change in the book, um, and as a writer, um, I don't think that that's good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As a writer, I think you should be more consistent, <laughs> Terence. Let's talk about moving pictures. Mm-hmm. I guess we'll have to. Do we, yeah. do we do that on this podcast? Yeah. Sometimes. <laughs> it's been known. 
Like a little behind the scenes fact is that usually uh, I go on this podcast right as I finished reading the book. Um, Usually like starting like 20 to 30 minutes too late because I take longer because I have to read like the final 80 to 100 pages like right before recording, like right in the hour or two before recording. So it's like very fresh in my memory. But this time it took a day longer. (laughs) So who knows what's going to happen? (laughs) <laughs> it could be the same it could be completely different from what i can tell the vibes are already terrible <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so rancid which is it's great because i personally love it when the vibes are bad um okay i will do a summary of this book which is <laughs> moving pictures <laughs> okay so where we left off um the pl- some plot had happened, and now more plot's going to happen. <laughs> um, Victor watches over Ginger to make sure that she, like, doesn't go and do stuff in the middle of the night, but she does anyway, and she ties him up when he falls asleep, and she sleepwalks and is trying to open the temple in the, in the mountain again. Gaspard wakes him up, and him and Laddie, like, help him escape his bonds, and then he goes to try and, like, rescue Ginger. They go into the temple, which has been opened, and it's very scary and weird, and it's very dark. And when they get to the final chamber, it is a cinema, but like a really old one. And there's a weird floating silver screen that's like not attached to anything, just in the air. And um, all the seats are filled with uh, dead moviegoers, (laughs) which is fine. They're just skeletons. (laughs) They were watching Cats. (laughs) <laughs> that is how I felt when I watched Cats <laughs> um, yeah and so Victor's like that's kind of weird uh, but Ginger is she's about to like hit do something um, to wake the sleeper who's like a big gold guy holding a sword um, and Victor's like I need to wake her up um, and he accidentally steps on like a, a magical old organ or something, which makes a noise, and she wakes up. And she's like, "Okay, I- I'm afraid now." They go to leave, but the organ created some earthquakes, or which make the tunnel cave in, so they get trapped in the dark for a bit. Luckily, Gaspard and Laddie <laughs> go and find the trolls, who then like rescue them from the cave in a great lassie tribute. Um, very fun. When they get out, um, the entire place caves in and Victor's like, hell yeah, it's all over. (laughs) And that's the end of the book. Um, (laughs) They wake up the next morning and everywhere is covered in a very spooky fog, which is fine. Um, And they are going to Antmore Pork for the premiere of the movie. Um, So they head to Antmore Pork and meanwhile, all the posters for their uh, blown away movie has been put up everywhere and the wizards see it and the wizard faculty see it and they're like ooh she's kind of nice with it so they poor poor she's a cork she's a corker Christ but literally and um <laughs> and they decide to sneak out even though they're old and um go to the cinema so they do that, and there's loads of fun hijinks with the wizards and w- Wendell Poons's um, wheelchair, which they have to like levitate over and stuff. Um, and also, they they get into the cinema by like paying for two of them and sneaking the rest in through the window, which is very funny. 
Meanwhile, they get to the premiere and and it's like a big red carpet event. So there's loads of people excited to see them and they're all cheering and stuff. The patrician comes and everyone cheers for him and he gets seated with Ginger and Victor and the patrician is like very gently confused as to what's happening because he's like, who are these people and why is everyone so excited to see them? They are just actors, surely. Um, Victor and Ginger are freaking the fuck out because the cinema that they've gone to looks exactly like the scary temple cinema because neither of them have been in like a moving pictures hall before. They've only ever been filmed. Um, doing them so they're like oh shit this is literally the same that's kind of scary it's probably Um, fine yeah meanwhile the Bursa is like talking to Wrigley about the um, reality thing because he gets knocked out because it's going really really fast we're informed that if there's a serious disturbance in reality it might shoot two pellets um, in the space of a month Um, but currently it is shooting like constantly so that's incredibly concerning they decide to go check out the picture hall because rick kelly kind of works stuff out a bit to do with the alchemists in hollywood because he's actually very bright which the Berza realizes he's like oh shit he's actually smart guy and very powerful actually which is cool i love rick kelly (laughs) he's great uh meanwhile at the picture house um as the picture starts it's incredible and everyone's like glued to the screen almost hypnotized by it And the more people believe in what's on the screen, the weaker reality gets until the giant Victor and giant Ginger come to life through the screen. And they're like Dungeon Dimensions creatures in the shape of a giant man and woman. Now, be honest, Chaz, how were you feeling at the description of these two large people? (laughs) I was very excited by the prospect of giant people. (laughs) Were you... uh excited how what kind of excited <laughs> just having, having a nice time um <laughs> giant she loves large large things i just like to see things big you know big things thing large, but big um <laughs> i wish the statue of liberty would pick me up um like that, big that happens in doctor who i think yes yeah, but that's lame. I want it to like <laughs> be a be a giant woman. Okay, um, <laughs> Big Lana Del Rey is also very good to me. Attack of the Fifty Foot Woman. I have to watch that movie. Um, oh, should we do a live stream of it? <laughs> that would be funny. <laughs> Probably on copyright as well. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Oh, but like, amazing. it doesn't matter. You can stream anything over Discord. Don't. Don't tell this to anyone, but it's fine. But it's true, you can. Yeah. It's so easy. Copyright. Um, the schmoppy <laughs> fight. <laughs> um, yeah, so <laughs> these, these giant people uh, <laughs> emerge from the screen and Victor's like, oh shit, these are Dungeon Dimensions creatures. I can't use magic on them because they're not, they're like, they eat magic. They live off magic. So he's like, I will burn them. Um, The ginger one gets away, but the victor one is still sort of emerging. So he's like, I will sacrifice myself and burn this octocellulose. Uh, But in the end, he does leave. And actually, it's um, Gaspode and Laddie uh, take the burning match in to set fire to it. And then they're lost in the ensuing explosion, which is very sad. Um, R.I.P. Dead dead dogs. 
Kill the dog. <laughs> Sorry, my throat's very like. Um, You're still thinking about the giant woman. Sure. <laughs> um, meanwhile, giant ginger is wandering around, causing chaos. She's heading for the Tower of Art because that's very magical, and she can like eat loads of magic there. Victor's like, "What do I do? What do I do?" And he's like, "Oh shit! This is Hol- this is Hollywood magic. I need to use Hollywood magic." So he sort of imagines a horse coming like it would do in a click and everyone is also like expecting it to happen because they think of him as being his like characters so he jumps onto the horse and he smiles and there's like a ding sound and um it all works as long as the handleman keeps turning the handle of the uh, of the camera and they're like oh but how will we how will we follow him so they put it on the wizard's um Windlepoon's wheelchair and then they like zoom around on that <laughs> and uh <laughs> so they get to the Tower of Art. The librarian is there. Mm. He's got like a lance and he's like doing a fun swinging on a rope scene, but he misses and then hits the Tower of Art. Big Ginger notices him and picks him up and then climbs the tower and it's a fun like reverse King Kong. Oh, it's so fun. I'm so excited to understand <laughs> everything what's going to happen next. <laughs> so they go up and... Um, Victor's like, I will get to the top of the tower because that's what has to happen. Um, And that's the only way I can sort of make the scene go as it's supposed to go. So he runs up the steps in the tower, even though a bunch of them are missing. He manages to sort of imagine that they're there for long enough for them to be there so he can, like, get up there. (laughs) Once he gets to the top, he tries to hit her with with the the spear lancing that the librarian was using. Pike. but, But misses... Pike, that's it. Then he's like, "I just, it just has to happen once, and it has to happen like as it would in the click." The, meanwhile, the wizards are like casting illusion fire, which works because even though it's not real fire, it's real enough for Hollywood. Then Victor's like, "I know how this has to end," and so he sort of imagines lightning hitting her. So lightning hits her, and then she like falls from the top of the tower and hits the ground and becomes like a tentacly creature, but then just dies because it's it's too far to fall. And then the Dean says, "'Twas beauty that killed the beast," because he <laughs> says stuff like that. And then the, the chair of recent runes is like, oh, I first think it was hitting the ground. Um, <laughs> and they're like, oh, it's all over. Um, but it's not because they're going to be coming through at the old temple as well. So... They run, well, they get back to Hollywood as fast as possible. Meanwhile, the wizards come too, and there's lots of humorous scenes of them going through, like, sheds and stuff. When they get to Hollywood, everyone's missing. The weird, creepy fog is still hanging around. Um, when they get to the temple, um, the, the way has been opened up by, presumably by the trolls, because everyone's sort of been hypnotized to go down there. Detritus is still there, and he's holding up the ceiling. They go in to try and find out what's happening and everyone's hypnotized to the silver screen or like imagining their, you know, the dreams of Hollywood, even though there's nothing really on the screen apart from like weird shapes and sort of, you know, they call it a cathinema, like Cthulhu, which I thought was very funny. Very funny. <laughs> or cathonic. Uh, Victor's, luckily Detritus saves them all by like not having the sort of brain that really wants that. So he just sort of tromps down and gets really annoyed because he can't wake up Ruby. This wakes Victor up and he manages to, like, disrupt it. And so everyone sort of wakes up and then get, freaks out because there's, like, creepy things coming through again. He's like, what was Ginger trying to do? Um, the librarian has helped him and been like, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a guy behind a gate. It was a guy in front of a gate. He's, like, the guard. So 
Um, Victor's like, oh shit, okay, so we have to wake the guard, but how do we do it? And Ginger's like, I don't know, but they hit a gong and that wakes him up. And he sort of like destroys everything. Um, <laughs> and then so everyone runs away and they all leave. But then he sort of like, sort of spiritually like swings his big sword and like destroys the entirety of Hollywood um, while everyone has to like run until the whole thing is just like a derelict. And then that destroys like the idea and Victor's like it doesn't matter if there's anyone to do all the temple stuff as long as people remember Hollywood and like what can happen with this idea. But some of the energy is sort of grounding itself. Um, Gaspode nearly dies but actually in the end he's rescued just in time but everyone only cares about Laddie. But then all the magic goes away and he becomes a normal dog again. All the other animals also become normal. Yeah. Detritus and Ruby finally figure out their shit <laughs> through through the use of Hollywood magic, but also just good old fashioned troll communication. <laughs> good old fashioned force. Good good yeah. old fashioned Terry Pratchett <laughs> romance. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Happens right at um, the end. Mm-hmm. Victor's like, oh, what's Ginger gonna do now? And she's like, I don't know. Could do anything. And he's like, well, great that we got to live in a time where we got to save the day. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like yeah lucky us um, and then she's like people have proposed marriage to me but I turned them down and he's like okay that's pretty good and then she smiles and he's like damn that's the first time I've seen her and she isn't being angry at me or being petulant <laughs> or like crying <laughs> it's very romantic <laughs> um some other stuff happens. The wizards have a great time. Yeah, um, and then Silverfish, the alchemist, invents uranium. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, nothing could go wrong here. Just a safe, dull, grey metal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just a, just a, just a metal. Uh, the elephant dibbler goes back to selling sausages, and then his a thousand elephants arrive. <laughs> <laughs> um, everyone else sort of goes back to what they were doing before more or less and yeah that's sort of how it ends um hollywood dreams you know i guess books are just better than movies (laughs) yeah that is the message of this i guess that's what the theme was was that books are better than movies Mm. i remember i remember the third chapter of this book and it was like it started off with books aren't they great (laughs) (laughs) much better than films they're for dumb people i'm clever i can read Mm-hmm. <laughs> there should have been like a cutaway where it's like meanwhile in an alternate reality and then everyone just gets like Hollywood just discovers books and then nothing mm-hmm. bad happens because books are great <laughs> exactly <laughs> books never did anything wrong unlike movies yeah. which have yeah it's no book has ever contained harmful messaging <laughs> no no it's impossible How how would you even do that they're simply good, is the thing. Yeah, like, books are a, are a good and worthy medium. And as we all know, the medium is the message. So if it's a good medium, then... <laughs> and the message has got to be the good. The message must be good. Just like with documentaries. Yeah. yeah. That's unlike, exactly what that means. It's great. Unlike movies, which are, are like inherently bad. Yeah. Yes. Mm. And um, decadent. Yeah. What do you think yes. about <laughs> BBC, decadent. BBC Radio 4 radio plays? You see, those are a high form of art because they're, they're done yeah. by like posh British people. Yeah. So that's that how you know. That is true. That's good. They're like the only Just valid like form of adaptation because they don't try to improve <laughs> on it, on the characters yeah. or something. Like they're just 
1000% faithful to the source material. So that's the only type of adaptation I like. I love to just <laughs> turn turn Terry Pratchett's I'm going to turn Terry Pratchett's works into into a play by just adding like extra spaces and then deleting all of the, uh, <laughs> the non dialogue and then just putting mm-hmm. the character's name in front of the dialogue with a with a colon. It's kind yeah, of a idea. kind of a hack job to put your name on that. Kind of kind of cheeky really if you think about uh-huh. it. I, it's, I, look, I, it's what Terry I'm not would have wanted. saying that about I'm not actually saying about about Stephen Briggs plays. I haven't seen any. I am. I'm sure there's a lot, <laughs> lot more to them than that. Maybe. But, maybe. But I, I haven't seen them. I'm just being catty. Oh, are you? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that was so that was moving pictures. Wild stuff. Another oh, one in the box. There. They definitely Ten move. Books. It's interesting that this is like considered to be part of the like quote unquote industrial revolution series because at the end of it, like. Yeah, like, nothing changes. Yeah, right. Like the point of the industrial revolution is that it creates something that is con- that like changes society onwards, whereas mm. this ostensibly doesn't. Yeah, and I feel like I made this point in an earlier episode, but like calling it one of the industrial revolution books is really just because they want to fit it in any of the series. But it's really like I guess it's like a retroactive fitting because there's going to be like later yeah. books that have actual developments that are going to change yeah. Ankh Morpork's technological status. Yeah. yeah. But in this one, it's he's just, just, he's just having a laugh with movies, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those, um, those like f- graphs, they're just fan made. Like there's no official series of each thing. So it's like you can, no. yeah. T- some of them have greater or lesser like follow through as series. Some of them are like obviously series. Mm-hmm. and some of them are just books and some of them are more loosely linked i don't know yeah because like would you yeah. class equal rights as wizards or as witches witches yeah, yeah. and this and, one and the point of the book is that you shouldn't <laughs> <laughs> yeah you can't choose <laughs> yeah maybe things aren't just one or the other i don't believe in that <laughs> can be useful Tri- but no, I think ultimately reductive. I'm gonna put <laughs> my foot down, and if you can't put, model. I think if you can't put a book into a category, then it's just like not worthwhile. It's not worth reading. <laughs> Look. All books are one of two categories: Omegaverse or not Omegaverse, <laughs> and that's just how literature is. <laughs> Look, my my um, Mayer's Briggs personality type is Enfitpjernif, uh-huh. and that <laughs> means that I have to categorize everything, or I get very angry. <laughs> This, this podcast is part of the uh, uh, the, the uh, uh-huh. angry morons shouting uh, series. I mean, I knew that. Almost every podcast. Series of podcasts done by who? Like, how do you? Is this like a cross cross genre cross creator categorization? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Look, I never went to improv class, unlike some people here. <laughs> Ooh, ooh, okay. Hitting out. I'm just when an ordinary. Do the improv. An ordinary working class. <laughs> <laughs> no, didn't go to no fancy improv college. <laughs> yeah, being able to like actually uh, add on to jokes and like, um, you know, having a through line and like having an internal logic to that is like bourgeois bullshit. Yeah, it really yeah. is. I, I want all my that. jokes to be disconnected. I want them to have nothing to do with anything. I think we, and I want them to be not funny. 
I want, I want my humour to be as scattershot and random as firing synapses in a dying person's brain. Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's kind of what this podcast is, though. It's just the final like synaptic release of dying people's brains. And who watches the watch? The DMT release. <laughs> I'm going to shout out the one person who left a review on our podcast saying... <laughs> <laughs> uh, where the fuck is it? The tangents have tangents. No, it's not that this one. Person would insult it my says job a, pod- a podcast that has potential but really needs a script editor. <laughs> How dare oh, you insult? I'm a fantastic one. script editor. <laughs> I edit the script a, every every week. A script is just a piece of paper that says moving pictures on it. That's what that script is. <laughs> Actually, I've written uh, four words down as, as for my notes today. Oh, let, let's, let's hear them. <laughs> Uh, one was that I liked when Dib- Dibbler heard of subliminal messaging and decided it'd be yes. better if it was five minutes long. <laughs> oh, this is so good. Super, super liminal messaging. And the, the other was that Wendell is just doing carry-on, and that, that was it. So very incisive mm-hmm. notes here. No, those yes. are two really good notes. Uh, let's, let's try building on them, uh, because I okay. went to improv school, so I think we should yes-end on these notes. Yes, and I think it's very funny that uh, Wendell Poons' character is once again just like half the characters in a Terry Pratchett book. (laughs) (laughs) I think Wendell Poons is great. I think all the wizard scenes are like incredibly funny in this book. Um, Yeah, they're really good. And it's very funny that they just, like, in the last third of the book, Terry decides to dedicate like 50 pages just to wizard shenanigans. Mm. Oh my god, yes. and I completely forgot and. my favourite bit, which was fucking Ponder Stiven. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, who's trying to sneak out for a beer, but keeps like getting into horrible mishaps, like being hit by the pellets, or like seeing the other wizard faculty trying to climb over the wall, or like being hit by like giant ginger and stuff, and in the end he just like vows to never leave the university again. Yeah, which is which is some, you know, some build up towards uh it makes a lot of sense doesn't books. it yeah. it's a pity we won't see him again <laughs> mm. <laughs> i don't, I don't know so. what you guys are talking about because i haven't read any more than this Ooh. Ooh. i wonder if i wonder if he will leave the university <laughs> I again if he will show up again <laughs> <laughs> yeah this is really i didn't even realize that this is where they solidify a lot of the the wizard characters actually yeah God, like, it's not so even, funny. It's not even like a soul wizard book. It's just like, what if the wizards are here also? And also, I love these wizards and they will be here for the rest of the series. He just comes up with an entire comedy routine for them. It's just, it, it really feels like he, he takes a break from writing moving pictures and instead just, just writes a comedy short story of wizards trying to act normal and fail at it or be too good at it like they they have this entire thing how they're supposed to not act like wizards uh they need to act like honest merchants um (laughs) because if if you saw a wizard out there like what would you what do people think if they saw a wizard at the movies so they're like they say we're gonna wear fake beards (laughs) we're gonna put some wire into our beards so they're gonna look like fake beards and nobody will suspect that we're wizards because we're obviously obviously wearing fake beards so someone with a real beard wouldn't wear a fake beard to be fair that's a pretty good disguise it's pretty good and it works but it then it works too good because they want to get into they they can't they, they can't help being wizards at the same time so they're like 
no, we're, we're not gonna stand in queue. We're just gonna go shoot to the beginning of the line and demand to be to get entrance without without paying. And then because we're wizards, and then the, everyone's like, "No, you're not wizards. You're obviously wearing a fake beard. You <laughs> you stand at the back of the line and pay." I think to... this might tie in with our with our theory of um, Terry Pratchett just writing the four hundred words a day and yeah. then, like barely going back. Yeah, he, mm-hmm. I think he starts writing the wizards and then goes, "Oh damn, I really like these characters," and just keeps writing more, like more or less, uh, like conscient, consciously doing mm. that. Yeah, and then just carries on with them for a while. <laughs> I did really like the the scene where they're all trying to get over the wall and they're all so old and never exercise and they're really struggling and it like mm-hmm. takes ages for any of them to for it to like occur to them that they could use magic. <laughs> It's, it's, it's very funny because they could just like go through the front door yeah no no one's gonna stop them <laughs> like they're not prisoners they can just leave i think but they like the excitement of sneaking out and it says that this is the sort of evening which ends with them like coming back at 6 a.m like escorted by the watch and i just think that's very good um they're just old men who want to have Want to have an evening on the town, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Re- reclaim, a... recapture some of that past glory. Yeah. There's, a, there's a great bit earlier where, like, um, just before the wizards decide to go to the cinema, they have, like, this this long argument about, oh, who would even want to see, like, what's... Why, why would people even... Like, why would anyone like Victor be close to a very sexy woman rather than doing magic (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's like it it goes into this entire thing about how movies are entirely unappealing and in in the end it's like the dean says yes but who wants to see a lot of young women dancing around in tights (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it just makes all the like uncomfortable horniness uh, earlier in in like previous Terry books almost worth it because like this 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 scene is just was just so funny to me like this old wizard either not understanding why anyone would be horny or like <laughs> <laughs> trying to convince themselves that they are not. Yeah, it makes me wonder how aware Terry is. I think we might have talked about this before about how aware, aware he is of like. How how far is what he's writing always like satirical or parodic? Yeah, and mm-hmm. um, how far is it? Because this is very obviously like parody of them of, of sort of old British comedies where they're like hubba hubba, ooh nurse, <laughs> put them away kind of thing. Yeah, um, but then like he also does that in ways that don't seem like satirical. Yes, um, yeah, because he doesn't sort of flag it up in the same way. And it, you know, requires clarity and uh, clarity of purpose and mm-hmm. all that for satire. So I, it makes it makes me think about how how far it it, it is parody <laughs> in other ones, seeing as he can do it in this one. I just think Terry's not very subtle, and if he's gonna <laughs> no. do it as a parody, it's gonna be very obviously like a a very funny yeah. joke where he's like, I mean, stuff like um, uh, Tracy and stuff in pyramids he's obviously going like oh it's like orientalist naked woman <laughs> she, her tits are out 
and yeah. that's kind of horny, except not really, but it is. <laughs> it's all those um, <laughs> horny Victorian pictures of white slavery in the harem or whatever they want to call it. Yeah, mm. but then he also does it so the character is, like, horny all the time. Yeah. yeah. And it is meant to be a funny joke, but it's also just kind of weird. Whereas this is very much like, look at these... Look at these old men who are also so horny. Who are like, why would anyone want to see this? Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's a documentary. We'll see it for the educational Civil War stuff. And then we're not going to just like, oh, it's got a naked woman in it. That's cool. <laughs> God, yeah, the whole bit about it's very educational. It's also great. I, I've just underlined this part where the um, lecturer in recent rune says he means sexual magnetism. <laughs> Yes. The lure of wanton soft bosoms and huge pulsating thighs. <laughs> <laughs> that is just Josh Kirby's art come to life. Uh-huh. I, it's, I just don't understand that review that was like, I thought this was going to be a condemnation of movies and saying books were good when like the wizards <laughs> do that kind yeah. of and, yeah. and are proven to be like wrong and just as into it as everybody else yeah i don't don't know dislike i don't think terry dislikes movies no i don't think he does and i don't think that that's what the message of this book was at all so i don't understand how this reviewer is there like listen lucy (laughs) if you're a goodreads you are not allowed to watch any movie because you you swore your allegiance to uh, to good re- it's like the same way you have to pick between blur and oasis or uh, <laughs> tupac or biggie you have to pick between books or Venom movies or a razor head holy orders you you enter the monastery that it, that is goodreads and you can no longer uh commit conjugal acts with the art of cinema mm-hmm. exactly can i st- thinking about Thinking about conjugal acts. Yeah, Lucy, what? No, no. He's still thinking about the giant women. (laughs) (laughs) Every time I'm on Letterboxd, it's very funny because everyone talks about how, uh, you know, they're going to be like, oh, I was disappointed in this movie because I thought it was going to be a condemnation of books. (laughs) (laughs) I'd support them if they said that. (laughs) More movies that are just like, books are evil. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Let's let's take anti-intellectualism up a notch, shall we? I feel like a ton of movies, like like ser- seriously, out of um, out of the bit zone here. Uh, I think a lot of movies are actually like be- becoming worse adaptations when they're like uh, very obviously very jealous of the book that they are adapting. Like they're like um, you know, there's gonna be like bits where. The book is gonna start. The movie is gonna start with like an animation of the book opening up, and then you like zoom in and uh, let us start to move or whatever. And there's gonna be like constant narration because they want to be like slavishly pay homage to the book, mm. but at the same time mm-hmm. be like, no, but we actually want to be better than the book. Like it's just the only movie that's coming to mind when you're saying this is Shrek, which is I know there's <laughs> more, but <that's... laughs> I think Shrek is like trying to parody that sort of thing. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah, exactly. I I will say, because I think The Princess Bride does it pretty well mm-hmm. with my best friend Peter Falk reading to his grandson, The Princess Bride. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I enjoy that, but I think I just really like that movie. The Princess Bride is just simply a good movie. It's I've seen it. Good movie. 
Oh my god, it's I just have Wallace some... Shawn in it. Who doesn't love Wallace Shawn? I'm just having some memories of Facebook discourse around um there was like a meme based on uh on the on the <laughs> on the, the the marriage scene, like when the priest is like marriage. You know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You remember that scene. It's a it's a really funny scene. <laughs> yes. Right? And then is there it, was is a... it is it alright to make fun of people with, with speech? It, it's even worse. The comment was uh well, but actually, this scene is based on someone being forced into a marriage. So. Oh my god! <laughs> Wait, were they doing very problematic, problematic discourse about? Yeah. It's not that fucking deep. And the entire I... point of the movie is that the, the marriage is stopped. <laughs> like. Yeah. Hey, does the villain in your movie doing something problematic mean you have to cancel the movie? <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> I can't engage with any. Um, it's kind of bad that we're doing a Terry Pratchett disc Discworld podcast because um, detritus hits a woman. <laughs> in, that's in this really. Book. That's I, I watched Downfall really the up. other day, and and like, and it's a pretty problematic <laughs> movie. The guy in that, he just he, the, the main character in Downfall, he he does some pretty bad stuff. <laughs> it's just not all right. Yeah, I. <laughs> It says, because uh, I, I still have the, the Wikipedia open for The Dark Knight, and I think we're going to have to cancel it, because it says, when Ledger saw Batman begins, he had realized the way to make the character work that was consistent with the film's tone. He described his Joker as a psychopathic, mass-murdering, schizophrenic clown with zero empathy. So that's obviously, one, <laughs> anti-clown propaganda, which we hate. Uh-huh. And two, this is just... I was going to say, who hasn't been described like that? I yeah. Mean. Sounds, a bit, sounds a bit like our society. <laughs> <laughs> in which we live yeah damn it's, um, it's yeah. pretty funny that the <laughs> the section on on cast for uh for the dark knight has like pretty long paragraph on christian bale as bruce wayne very long paragraph on the joker decently sized paragraph on uh, gary oldman as james gordon longer paragraph on aaron eckhart as harvey dent for Michael Caine as Alfred Pennyworth, it's just one sentence. Bruce's t- trusted butler and confidant who supplies useful advice to Bruce and likeness as his father figure. <laughs> That's it. Aww. Poor Didn't Michael. Yeah. He does just walk up. He's alright, he's a Tory, he can hear <laughs> <laughs> He can choke. Um, <laughs> okay. So what do we think about like the f- these final scenes as like a conclusion to the story as it's been said. Oh, I had no idea what was happening. Yeah, I was a bit confused. <laughs> Which, I didn't... Yeah, I was a bit confused. <laughs> yeah, me too. It is very hard to follow. It's like one of those Terry action scenes yeah. where I'm like, huh? I, yeah. followed, what? I followed from the initial premiere up until the the thing falls off the roof. Yeah, same. Um and mm. that was okay. I think that was better than your average Terry action scene. Yeah, I was really thinking up to that point. After I that, was like, oh, this is pretty good. <laughs> like, this is a pretty good action scene. Mm. You can kind mm. of follow what's going on. Yeah. It makes sense, like, how Victor is, is gaining powers. Uh, mm. and, and that's a really cool idea. But then, like, they just, it just, it just, you're just like, well, <laughs> the rest of it's kind of a blur. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kind of, even now, struggling to sort of remember what goes on because they have the bit where. It, they're like in the movie and they can't talk maybe yeah yeah because they haven't invented sound yeah yeah that's that's when when they're at the old cinema they go there and it's like yeah why does that happen (laughs) 
Um, because it's like becoming real, I guess, oh, okay. and it's cool. And he's like, "Yeah, if we hadn't invented color, it would be in black and white, but we did, so it's fine." <laughs> and then the the gong is the only thing that makes sound, so they're like must be significant. No, because to me, that, to me, the it's... gong is a reference to one of the production companies, isn't it? I can't remember yes. which one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's just a big guy whacking a gong. Yeah. I remember yeah, that I don't at remember. the start of movies, but I don't remember which company it was. It's quite mm. an old one, I think. Yeah. One of the old ones. Mm. Yeah. I mean, they change their um. logos or their intros every once in a while. So, yeah, it's probably just... No, but at that point, I was I was very confused because I thought it was like they got trapped in a movie dimension or something. Like, that's how I interpreted that. But that's, Yeah, same. Oh. It's like not what was no, happening, it's... apparently. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah. gong, the gong man is... Or a company trademark for the Rank organization, which was like Pinewood Studios. Uh, Arthur oh. Rank. Okay. It's Cockney rhyming slang for naughty things. <laughs> <laughs> this is a family podcast. Yeah. A family podcast. This is a podcast for families. We mm. won't say wank on this podcast. No. Oh, no. <laughs> Oh, um, we said it. Now we're going to get uh, Mark not safe for work. Yeah, we're, um, I, I can't radio will never say, have us now. We're not allowed to say things like heck or gosh darn. Like the, but like the actual things, not the things I am censoring here. Yeah. I think we should. What a hecking cute doggo. Gilbert <laughs> <laughs> um, is a hecking cute doggo. That's true. I think that we should implement the haze code for this podcast. Oh, yeah. One foot on the floor at all times. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> Um, oh, doesn't that mean when we do bad things, which is constantly, we also have to have have our comeuppance? Yeah, yeah, mm. we can't have like loose morals. Uh huh. Yeah, um, we've got to be condemned. As that, as that review said about the morality of this book being confusing. Um, <laughs> so what are our they morals. About with that? I don't know. What is the morality of this book? Don't be in a film. <laughs> <laughs> I think the morality was don't be a capitalist, then. but that's just me. But and it's also just like the first like third that. of the book or the first half. Yeah, yeah. Because after that, I think the moral is King Kong something. <laughs> Don't something. be killed by Movies. Lovecraftian monsters. Yeah, I guess it's be aware that popular ideas can have more power than you realize and can have unknown consequences. Is it about, I like I I don't know like I'm genuinely confused a little bit about this if it's about like movies being propaganda question mark but at the same time it's also just like classic movie references or whatever so it's not like it's not it's not about that at all though really the the, the I mean it, I suppose you could I don't think it would be easy to argue that it's about movies being propaganda but it is it does like hypnotize the people or whatever I mean, sure, but that's not that's not what propaganda is, is it? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's more like I think it's meant to be like movies are powerful. If you are in a world where reality is a bit shaky, then it's a dangerous thing to have around. So I don't really know if that's a morality we can translate into our world because I. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but movies are from our world, like. But I, I don't know. I think I just think it doesn't really have a. Like, my, my my actual take is that it's just... It's just a bit of fun in it, right? Like, it's just... It's just fucking... It's just Terry having some fun. Like, I think it's just really not that yeah. deep in this one case. It's just... Maybe that's why it only has a 3.94 on Goodreads. Uh, only, <laughs> like, a few uh, 
0.03 points above sorcery for some reason mm. uh, because it's it's really just it's really just a fun book right like it's yeah it's just having a laugh just having a laugh there's not, not a huge amount of like thematic stuff there's some yeah there's some vague stuff about like being born in the right place at the right yeah. time mm. and and like the power of stories and media mm. and the way, some... that, the way that societies can become yeah. not societies but like you can create cultures which sort of whip themselves into a frenzy maybe and that create odds like atmospheres but mm. and because like the sort of reality is obvi- obviously reality is ob- objective but yeah but like the way people live in it can be really heavily altered by people themselves and the, the societies and cultures they create and there's obviously also the points about like the the thing we said last episode already about like what it's like being a talking dog (laughs) terry says don't be conscious it's shit yeah (laughs) yeah he says go back to unconsciousness and you'll be happy yeah and it's it's fine guest port is never gonna talk again so yeah he's saying if you're inkydu stay stay a deer (laughs) (laughs) um He's saying that never trust a pretty dog. Uh-huh. Yeah, the shit the dogs dog are better. Head. The pretty dogs are just... The the ones that are doing just tricks dumb. are just fucking... They're just obeying what the humans are saying, right? Like How This, this book... Know? Okay, no, the morality of this book is that beautiful people are stupid. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> you know, this... <laughs> I feel like it's almost kind of a thing in Terry Pratchett's book, like books like just in general. If you're a beautiful man, then you're stupid. If you're, yeah, if you're, if you're if hot, you're a you woman, deserve then to you're die. Smart and mean. <laughs> Vincent, Vincent, no, Victor. Victor is Victor is hot and clever. Uh, that's true. I guess he figures some stuff out by yeah. the end. Yeah, he's not. He's not dumb. Like no. no, he had to not pass and not fail his wizard test for. <laughs> However many years he was doing that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I feel like Victor is also like kind of an anomaly. Like he's like the only hot male character. Oh, I tapic though. Yeah. Tapic. Carrot, carrots, carrots, hot. Mm. But I don't think carrot is supposed to be hot. Like he is hot, but yeah, he is. I, I think I think the way Terrence uh, describes him is like oh he's I don't know made out of knees or whatever. There's no no carrot is hot. That's canonical. <laughs> Because Angor is like, damn, this is a hot guy. And then when Sally the vampire comes, she's like, wow, this is a very attractive man. And then Angor gets really jealous. Everyone wants to fuck. I feel like he was described as not, uh, as like kind of weird looking in Guards Guards, but maybe he gets... I think he grows into it. Well, that's because he's young. That's because he's like young. But then oh, he's I like, see. as he gets older, he becomes like... No, I'm Patrick Rothfuss. I don't understand that kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna start forming like a Discworld boy band of the like four hot guys in in Discworld, which are Carrot, Tepic, Victor, Moist, and Moist. But Moist is also like just very generic looking in a way that no one will remember his face, which is kind of hot, I guess, yeah, if you're into that. I think he's like generically hot. Um, well, you gotta have else? a Nile. Who else is hot? Um, oh, what about um, Nigel? Oh, um, no. What's his name? The buddy. Buddy from Soul Music. Uh, yeah, Buddy. I think so. He's like yeah. Elvis. Imp. 
imp, impy Celine. Mm. Buddy Holly. Oh. <laughs> Imp Kellen. Yeah. Ola Ola Slamedos. Yeah, Slamedos. Um, <laughs> what? Slamedos is where he's from. Sodom all backwards. It's Sodom all backwards. Yeah, he just stole a joke from fucking Under Milkwood. Yeah, <laughs> it's fine. Thank well, you, Terry. Sli- slightly different because because it's, it's a tribute because he made it different. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's fantasy Wales, right? Like it's yeah, yeah. Uh, Terry being very kind to Welsh people. Look, I I'm only I'm allowed to be mean to Welsh people because I've lived here for long enough and I'm learning the language. <laughs> <laughs> You're putting in the effort. That's pretty good. Yeah. Um, yeah. So tons of classic movie else? references. Oh yeah, so many. Uh, there's a Casablanca reference toward the end where they're like, play it again, Sham. Yeah. Uh, which I appreciated because it's obviously one of the three good movies that exist. <laughs> mm-hmm. Have you heard of The Dark Knight Rises? That's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> the three good movies. <laughs> Casablanca, Citizen Kane, and The Dark Knight Rises. Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the Wikipedia for The Dark Knight says that it is considered one of the best films of its decade. So I guess I'm going to have to put that among the best movies i'm not sure i can add the dark knight rises mm. um, yeah it's not quite as good but bane is definitely a cool character bane is cool everyone Yorch. loves bane uh, i think he's the superior batman villain uh, fuck the joker you know he just for his voice yeah. his think. voice is great he's, <laughs> <laughs> he's ledger is once again a card for dying um, mm. Also, that published um, Omegaverse fanfiction was um, Bane fanfiction oh, originally. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. What if someone someone should do an alternate universe? Uh, not alternate universe. Uh, no, a, um, don't do it. Don't say this. No, no. Someone should do. Someone <laughs> should do a fanfic of The Dark Knight Rises, where the uh, the original one is is revealed as being like unreliable narrator mm-hmm. um and it, it's actually like a people's uprising which is then crushed by the reactionary forces of batman i think that is what happens That's, yeah i mean That's what yeah I it is <laughs> i was gonna suggest an entirely different fanfic and it was gonna be like and this could be pretty good and it probably exists but it, w- it would be something where like bane and venom and uh tom hardy's <laughs> character from peaky blinders get to like hang out together Mm. And Mad Max. Oh yeah, Mad Max can be there Ooh, too. Mad Max. What about his character from Inception? Eames. He's he's cool, oh, yeah. I guess. Yeah. He's the one Inception character that I remember as being pretty fun. Yeah, it's because he's horny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes we like that, and sometimes we don't. Yeah. I feel like there's some more stuff where uh, Tom Hardy just makes a very funny voice, but I can't. He made what? He made a film about Charles Bronson, the weird prisoner. Oh yeah, Charles Bronson can be there. He made the film where he was both the Cray twins. Oh yep. yeah, <laughs> British gangsters, British absolute lads. legends, absolute legends. <laughs> oh the fucking craze legends! They'd <laughs> nail your fucking head to a table. They would. <laughs> oh, I think he was in Star Trek. One of the Star Trek movies. Yeah, Star really? Trek Nemesis. Oh. I didn't see that one, I don't think. It was, it must have been like one of his first roles. Yeah, his film debut was Star in 2001 Nemesis. in Black Hawk Down, and Star Trek oh. Nemesis was in 2002. 
Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, what, what are we doing? Um, we just talk about Batman a lot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we love Tom Hardy. Who should Tom Batman, Hardy play in, in a Discord adaptation? Vimes. Uh, oh, that would be so good. <laughs> Can you imagine? I was born in the sewers. Like, I, I love the guy they got to <laughs> play my as Vimes, as I went on record saying, but like Tom Hardy as Vimes would be pretty epic. Oh, yeah, I was going to say about the classic movie references, like, because as, as we were talking about Attack of the 50-Foot Woman, I, I, I just developed this theory in my head that that movie is, like, probably, like, not very good. Because my reasoning for that is the poster is iconic, right? <laughs> yeah. And everyone knows of the movie existing, but I don't know anyone who, who has seen it or who would... There's no, like classic moments of that movie or like scenes that get quoted yeah. or like you know so i empire I, gives it two out of five stars yeah I, I feel like it's a movie that has such a cool concept but like probably just doesn't deliver so your idea of what the attack of the 50 foot woman is in your head which i know you're thinking about is just <laughs> is just much cooler than the actual movie we remake it, right? We remake it and we yes. title it the, 50, the Attack of the 50-Foot MILF, okay? Okay. Um, <laughs> all right. I'm listening. <laughs> and it's it's like... I'm, I thing is, I was going to say it's the exact same movie, but better. But I've never seen the movie, so I've no idea how we'd improve on it. But Maybe I yes. just... Um, we've really got to play into the whole MILF angle. <laughs> okay, let me. Well, I I will say that it is sixty six minutes long. Oh, that's a good movie length. Although oh, it could yeah. be it could um, be three minutes give longer. That three minutes more. Yeah. <laughs> and also, it's about a nice. the film storyline concerns the plight of a wealthy heiress whose close encounter with an enormous alien in his round spacecraft causes her to grow into a giantess, complicating her marriage, which is already troubled <laughs> by a philandering husband. <laughs> oh god, this is really the most boring angle they could have taken, like, complicating her No, it sounds marriage great. with I her boyfriend. Fifty foot milk and her boyfriend. Yes. It's a, it's a 50s B-movie. It's not going to be good. No, there's some the good 50s The attack of my 50-foot wife and her boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> but let me pitch you this. My, my idea for a remake would be, and I'm going to... I'm going to incorporate the Attack of the 50-Foot Milf. I think that's good. But I think mm-hmm. it should be anime and it should be, like, drawn by Josh Kirby. Yes. Ooh. Bring oh him back. God. You know, or someone who can imitate his style perfectly. But it should, it should look like that. I'm trying to, trying to think about what a Josh Kirby um, illustration would look like. Animated is really <laughs> putting my brain through some loops. It, I'm just imagining so much, like, roiling flesh. I think it just... would be, like... Just ten minutes of Josh Kirby animated would uh, would take up as much place in your brain as like an, a three hour movie would. Yeah, probably. Well, the drawings are so intricate and detailed. Yeah, so much to take in, te- like textured. Like it would, yeah, they're it'd very be really textural. expensive. Really expensive to produce. <laughs> it would take ages, but worth it. I would love to see oh, yeah. it. <laughs> I would be very interested. Well, we've we've put it out into the world now, so now that, that everybody manifest on that this week. Yeah, I know Josh, we have some listeners who are uh, who, who are great artists, so just get on it. Mm. You know how how hard can it be to do animation? You know, yeah, famously easy. Yeah, <laughs> smooth <laughs> animation. Anyway, I mean, come on. Yes, you can so... probably do it with no budget. Uh, moving pictures. Moving pictures. I don't know how much else there is to talk about here. 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we talked about the wizard. Action scenes. Action scenes are confusing. Action scenes confusing. Um, the romances are very funny. <laughs> romances are very funny. I like the. I kind of like the way the Victor uh, and Ginger romance ended up with. Oh, she's not mean to me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, but like, nice. I, they gotta like start again. I guess know? if like your uh, if like her. Or, like, someone's uh, whole, like, nightmare uh, sleepwalking, trying to open up or close a door with Lovecraftian demons thing gets resolved. Like, that that might be a good cause for being less mean to someone. Yeah, uh-huh. you might feel a bit chill yeah. about it. She discovers she's, like, the genetic priestess of Hollywood. That's, yeah. like, that's a tough burden to, to carry, I think. A- yeah, and like, a lot of the people who came back were like the children children of people who were related to the original survivors, which is kind of cool. <laughs> Assigned priestess at birth. Yeah. <laughs> she she finds out at the end that she's Luke Skywalker's daughter. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, my name is Ginger Skywalker. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, that film. God, imagine like... After all this, also having to find out that Palpatine fucked. <laughs> it's no, just didn't someone clarify it? Mud. And it was like um, that one of his clones escaped and fucked or something. Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> what? what? Does it make it know. better? No. <laughs> no it what, even if he, like, what if he like shoots four sperm <laughs> out of his true. fingers? <laughs> that's, how, that's how he does it. Also, wasn't her dad Sean Austin? Maybe. Maybe. I literally, I know that there was a scene with her parents that was really dumb, but I literally have no memory of it. It's a bad film. It was so it bad. I think about um the 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 like fish tank full of Snoke clones all the time. Just <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> a big pickle jar full of full of Snoke. Yeah. <laughs> Why does he make them look like that? <laughs> Don't you hate? Don't you hate when you're digging around in the bottom of the snope jar for the last snope and it keeps slipping out the forks? You have to use, like dig your hand into the juice, and you get like dill seeds all over your hand trying to fish out this. What if it's snope. like a lucky dip of snoke clones where you you put your hand in and whichever clone you pick out you get to keep? <laughs> Guess how many snokes are in the jar? Yes. <laughs> how much do they weigh? Do you think? <laughs> He's pretty skinny. But- Bobbing for Snopes. <laughs> I think it's like pretty. It's like quite an ac- accomplishment, honestly, from J.J. Abrams. I will, I will hand this to him. Incredible accomplishment to, to have made a film that made everyone sour on the entire sequel trilogy so much that when Kanye goes on Joe Rogan and says the prequels are actually better than the sequels, everyone on Twitter is just gonna be like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and the prequels yeah, had like a, an entire planet just with clones of Django Fett for no like this random guy Django Fett who we have no attachment to no, for I some love reason. That scene. I love that scene. It it just makes no fucking sense. But I like love the long neck aliens, even that they're pretty cool. Like, I, I think the prequels are pretty bad, but people just don't remember them enough, and uh, they have the memory of Rise of Skywalker like fresh in their memory. So. Mm-hmm. Speak for yourself. I watch the prequels all the time. Yeah, yeah. You also watch Dune all the time, so I loved you. It's a better movie than either the prequels or the Star Wars sequels. So 
Yeah. Do we have anything more to say? Yeah, do we have anything else to say about moving pictures? How did we feel? I mean, we've really talked about a lot of yeah. the stuff that sort of concludes here, like the dog, the dogs, and how their story concludes. I was I was pretty sad for uh, for Gaspard that they like rescued Laddie and like didn't even pay any attention to him, and you know Laddie was just gone, like his one his one dog friend he made, and you know now he's just on his own again. It's kind of funny because it's almost like, uh, not to spoil it too much, but like the sort of conclusion of one of the characters in Masquerade where their sort of storyline ends with just having to accept that society is bad (laughs) and that you just have to just live with that. (laughs) And you you can't... Yeah, and it's like, yeah, they're always going to like the more photogenic wonder dog because they just will. And then that's just the conclusion. (laughs) You do what you can, and some people are just never satisfied with your work because you have the mange, you know? <laughs> I feel like that might be a, an attitude which is, becomes more common as you get older. Just be yeah. Like, ah, fuck it. But you have to just, you just have to live with it. Yeah, Make the best, you know? It's like my parents, you know, they're, they're left wing, but you, you talk to them about politics and they're just like, ugh. <laughs> uh. I think, I think they kind of gave up after 1997 of all hope. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> hey, you know what's fucking wild? Tom Tom Hardy was in five movies in 2015. Oh, that's a busy schedule. He was in Child 44, Mad Max Fury Road, London Road, Legend, and The Revenant. Quite big ones as well. Yeah, it's, it's not like, yeah. you know, tiny the drama that you can Max just like slip in. He was in The Revenant? I yeah, haven't he's seen the it. bad guy in The Revenant. I thought oh, the bad I guy the in The Revenant, Revenant was I don't bear. remember. No. No, that's just a temporary setback. Oh. The, the, the bear fucks him <laughs> up once and then dies. Oh. Um, yeah, he, he kills the bear. Or, like, mm. no, other people kill the bear, but... Um, Tom Hardy kills his son, and then he, he uh, has to chase down Tom Hardy and, and kill him. Oh, yeah. Pretty fucked up. It's, it's, it's a pretty fucked up film. <laughs> Yeah, it was not that fun to watch, I'm going to be honest. It's very well made, but it's quite excruciating. I'm probably not ever going to watch it, so... You are fine. It's not, like, that good. It's, like, pretty good, but, like, it's one of those yeah. Oscar films. Yeah, that's like, what I Will heard. anyone remember it in ten years? Gravity. Do, does anyone just watch The Artist ever? <laughs> Did anyone just watch... Have any of you watched Birdman recently? <laughs> no. Any of you watched I'm always like, Black maybe I Book? watch it. It was the movie that won the Oscar a year ago, like in 2019. Do you mean Green, Green Book? <laughs> Black Book is something else. That's also... That's a show. That's a show, yeah. Um, no, I didn't watch Green Book because it seemed racist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it seemed bad, so... Uh, also, apparently Tom Hardy was the executive producer for the 2019 BBC Christmas Carol, which starts with someone pissing on... Uh, Ebenezer Scrooge's grave and then the camera following the piss down the earth. Oh no, I saw that though. I watched all of that. And it was really weird. They 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 did a lot to um <laughs> to a Christmas carol that was very interesting. Uh-huh. Um Tom they Hardy's were like, what if it had more like weird sexual assault scenes <laughs> for some what reason? If Scrooge oh, said what, fuck? If we, what if we make him eviler? <laughs> And then what if it's all by a witch? What? What? What if a witch did it? The point is it's greed is the bad. What? 
Yeah, but she's doing it to punish him because he, like, made her get undressed in order to g- give her money to look after the child. She's like Bob Cratchit's oh. wife. Wait, what? They, they, made, they, made, they made Scrooge a, a like, a, a sexual assaulter? He didn't do anything, but he just did it as, like, a power play to, like, see what people would do for money. But it was, like, still, that's still Pretty basically fucked up. sexual assault. So Yeah. But it's fine oh, yeah. if it turns good in the end. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's cool. this whole bit with, like like falling through the ice or something like l- like little timmy or whatever he's called falls through the ice Tiny Tim. i don't know there were some good visuals in it but it was very dumb i was excited because i thought the first episode was setting up a romantic tension between um bob <laughs> between jacob marley and um scrooge but there, there <laughs> wasn't any it's more, the bbc so chairs <laughs> did you did you see um did you see tom hardy's bizarre like show that he made with his dad for the BBC oh my god i forgot about that it's so weird no. <laughs> yeah it's like about tom hardy's character is like trying to like get money so he can do a colonialism <laughs> um, and also fucking his sister <laughs> god <laughs> okay and he's also a, also like a shamanic magician now <laughs> <laughs> it's it's written by the same guy who wrote um the christmas carol adaptation so that makes a lot of sense oh my god that makes so much sense <laughs> oh it was so bad i was yeah oh yeah and then and then there's this whole thing about scrooge being like molested as a child by the guy who runs his like orphan school what (laughs) why do they always (laughs) that's what i mean this is like in that robin hood adaption where they were like oh but what if um the sheriff of nottingham was sexually assaulted as a child what then what if it's like, what if greed well, and like being cruel can be like a natural impulse um, created by capitalism, which is literally the plot of A Christmas Carol? <laughs> yeah. um, and it isn't from like some Freudian thing about something bad happening to you as a child. Damn. Couldn't happen. What if that? <laughs> Pretty good book, Moving Pictures. Pretty good book. I I like Moving Pictures. That was I fun. Think I... I, give, I rate it some stars out of some slight like slightly more stuff yeah. Yeah. <laughs> more stars than goodreads yeah. I mean, yeah once again 3.94 is not a bad rating for this book like i i, I would agree it's like a actually i would think i would put it like a four and a half out of five again it's not a bad yeah. rating but for goodreads standards come on but next week next week next week we're reading reading a book that a book. I feel like multiple ris- listeners said it's their favorite, so... Yeah, so next week we'll be reading the first third of Reaper Man, which is about death. And it was the first I read, and one of, one of yeah, my favorites. It was I like think. the second I read, I think. Second or third. I can... Moving Picture was definitely the first one, and then Small Gods and Reaper Man were like two that I read very much at the start. Like these three were, I think, the first three that I read, but I can never keep apart the order. Some very weird conceptual things that I did not understand as a child. I am very excited to revisit them because I remember very little except that it was like very funny and Death was a great protagonist. Yeah, yeah. there's a Death is one of the protagonists and the other is a character we have met before. Ooh. <gasps> is it Two Flowers? It's very funny. <laughs> oh. I wish. <laughs> is it Nigel? <laughs> I, I can neither deny nor confirm. Is it Chitter? No. Fuck. It was, listen, it's a very fun character who we like and we will have a lot of fun with in this book. Okay. 
yeah, and until then, this has been Who Watches the Watch. If you like what we do, what you do, you love it, you think it's great, then you can donate to our Patreon at Who Watches the Watch on Patreon, and you can give us one currency a month and get access to all our bonus <laughs> content, which involves loads of cool stuff, episodes on internet history, fun conversations about interesting things, and at the moment we're writing a very funny young adult book with vampires and werewolves and mysterious portals that's like very good and well written yeah, yeah like... people are saying it's great <laughs> yeah people are saying that these are relatable they're saying it's at least a 3.9 on goodreads <laughs> yeah yeah and if you give us five currency as many people have then you can have your name read out on this podcast as well as getting access to all of those things and also you will have our gratitude yeah and you're gonna be in our book um, yeah and we can put you in yeah. our book just for like <laughs> Even if you don't want to be, you'll be in the book. Yeah, um, George, you made it yeah. into the book. Yeah, you were George, in the last chapter. I'm in the book. Forced literification. <laughs> yeah, I I fail at uh, trying to make an impression of you. So yeah, damn. It was it's Look very funny. To that. Damn. Uh, yeah, thank you to all our patrons on the Rinse Flowers Tan tier. Gigantic Larry. Woo! New 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 patron. Uh, Slime Simon. <laughs> Whoa. Boyfriend of the show, Tom. Hank the Tank. Justin Crander. Wow. Milk Succubus. Bonza. And then DM and Rise and Grind memes for side hustling teens. Ooh. Fantastic. Thank you, all of those people. Also, you can join our Discord where we have funny conversations and make emojis. And we've been streaming Heavy Rain, which is incredibly funny. <laughs> and just having a great time and voice talking about how great David Cage's writing is and how normal they sit on the chair yeah. and how Jason <laughs> Jason he's gone goodbye, goodbye. Jason Sean um, <laughs> you, you, so missed. you should you should join that as long as you're nice if you're not nice we don't want you we're gonna um, kick you out if you're not nice is yeah, it we'll is it out for uh, crimes. adults only as well I think. yeah uh, no, yeah. yeah adults sure. only no adults only. no teens uh, unless you're two years away from being not a teen in the, in the onwards direction god damn it yes uh, if you're if you're a host of one of the other famous discworld podcasts welcome uh, thank you for listening thank you for shouting us out uh, please tell us that we're the best discworld podcast there is yeah mm. yeah please continue to give us promo because we yeah. love it we love attention <laughs> also come, come join our discord uh, also if you're the, don't you know, don't be scared away from our Discord just because you're one of we're our rival boys. podcasters. Yeah, I know. I know we're the yeah. biggest chads in the Discworld podcasting yeah. world, mm. but there but is mm-hmm. we're not going to stick your head down the toilet know, and flush it. I know the Discord has very rancid energy, but it is good. <laughs> <laughs> it is good, and you can you can still also just like join and immediately leave. Yeah, which people have done, and we we welcome them. Yeah. It helps us we know we're giving off the vibe that we want to. <laughs> yeah, that was so funny. Yeah, so thank you mm-hmm. to everyone for listening. Um, and until next week, uh, goodbye. Good and um, mm. Stan Rinseflower. Beyond Flower our uncle. Stan Nigel. Diochen Valjean. That's the clicks, baby. Looks just um, like my uncle Oswald. Mm. 
Yeah, it looks like my clothes. Luggage well. eats turfs. This luggage eats turfs. Yeah, Granny Weatherwax also eats turfs. Says fuck turfs. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, uh, just uh, take care uh, of yourself, you know. Comrades, unite. Look after your community. Yeah. Uh, the t- the give your moves. give your yeah. give your cats or dogs a scratch if they if they it's like fire. Set fire to something. <laughs> <laughs> just start some fires. Uh, fucking. Unless you live in California, that seems to be a bad idea. Mm -hmm. Read Homestuck. Read Homestuck, probably. Read the epic Um, of Gilgamesh. Read Gilgamesh. Stan 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 Gilgamesh. Uh, Um, Bye. Bye. (laughs) Bye. Bye. These get longer every time. listening to a good episode productions network podcast see the website for more details